0: Um, so the second implant that I got was an NFC chip, and I would bought this kit, and it was had a, a pain management kit online that was available, and it had all this equipment, and I thought this was going to be some kind of big deal. And then I went to a body mod person that I had worked with before, and I showed up, and nothing was set up, and we just went to a counter, and I sat there, and he implanted this in me. It took a few seconds, a few minutes.
1: Is this a house, or is there, like, a, a body mod parlor in Brooklyn that I had never heard of?
0: Um, so, there's actually a directory of them on the site that I bought this from. But I met him because I knew a guy who knew a guy after we wrote sure. a piece on biohacking. And he just does body modification, and one of the things he does is magnets. And he does it in this sort of informal studio.
1: So, okay, so, so you, you've met a guy through... Through a, through a guy. And then he was like, I'm going to inject a magnet into you.
0: Um, well, the magnet, it was more like, I'm going to open up your finger and I'm going to push oh. a magnet into you. Um, the, oh, okay. uh, the NFC chip was an injection. It was very nice.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, uh, continue from there.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, so I was expecting something a little bit more painful. And I think he... Uh, he drew on me with a sharpie I don't remember why uh, and just kind of rubbed it a lot and then was like okay you're done I feel sort of bad taking your money and I think I gave him a 50 bucks and I walked out and went and had coffee
1: <laughs> I like that it sounds like he may have like kind of duped you like like oh yeah we have to add this step where I draw on you and then massage
0: no it your- was it was totally the thing is that These things, you can theoretically all do them yourself. It's just that I want a professional. It's like dyeing your hair. I could do it, but I know that the chances of me failing are pretty bad, so I am totally willing to pay someone to make sure that they get it right.
1: Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast for TheVerge.com. I am your host, Christopher Thomas Plant. Today, I am joined by my colleague, my friend, Addie Robertson, the senior reporter at TheVerge.com, a place that you might have just heard about. Addie, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you. I I invited you on this episode because we're going to be talking about biohacking, and you, as your story, uh, I guess didn't hint at it outright stated, have personal experience with this.
0: Yes. I am one of multiple people at The Verge who has implants.
1: Wait, there are multiple people?
0: Uh, ben Popper wrote a piece in 2012 called Cyborg America.
1: Oh, I remember that. That is yeah.
0: fantastic, and it's one of the really frequently cited pieces, and everybody should go and read it.
1: Um, Before they do that, we're going to give the intro. Uh, top level, what is biohacking?
0: So... At the top level, biohacking is an incredibly broad term. Um, It kind of just refers to anything that's outside incredibly official research channels that modifies something's actual organic being. Uh, So you can modify plants and they can, to make them different colors, and that can be kind of biohacking. Uh, You can, Artificially construct viruses. You can do any number of things. You can be in a lab that just isn't a research, an official research lab. It's a a company, or you can be doing it in your garage. Um, the thing that people mostly are asking me about is this really sort of DIY project where it's just people putting things in themselves at home or in some kind of studio.
1: When did this form a biohacking—I mean, that's, I think, kind of going to be the focus of this episode, this DIY, uh, changing a human in a, a sort of way thing. When did this become a thing people did in earnest and didn't just talk about?
0: So, again, it becomes really complicated because it's weird to draw a line between the things that I get and the things that are sort of medical implants or prosthetics, Uh, that can sometimes be informal. But this stuff, um, there was someone named Steve Hayworth, who I think was maybe doing them in the 1990s. But people really started paying attention in the mid-aughts. That's where you started seeing the first mainstream essays about people getting magnet implants at that point. And then it's just kind of built since then.
1: And what type of biohacking forms are, are there with, within this? I mean, I mean we kind of talked before this about the biopunk movement and how that's kind of a funny phrase for it. Uh, but I understand that there are different movements even within the subcategory of people, you know, putting technology in their bodies.
0: I mean, there there are – They eventually it starts becoming these, like, tiny distinctions. Um, but one of the terms is, uh, yeah, there's neurohacking, which could be not – this diy movement it's more sort of about chemicals and possibly drugs Um, and then there are people who do this as kind of an anarchist statement there are people who do this who just kind of want to hang out and do something cool Um, and then there
1: are just specific companies wait companies so explain that a little
0: so there again it's vague when something's a company and when it's just an organization. Uh, But one of the biggest names in this now is a company called Dangerous Things, which sells magnets and NFC and RFID chips. And it's the thing that really made them accessible to people.
1: Can you explain what an NFC chip is? Because I think a lot of people probably have come in contact with NFC chips without even knowing what they are.
0: Okay, um, so the way people mostly would use NFC chips is if you buy something with Apple Pay. That's a really locked-down form of—it's uh, called near-field communication. Um, and whenever somebody in the mid-aughts was like, I'll tap my phone to yours, um, that was potentially NFC uh, or maybe oh. would have turned into NFC. Um, so it's like a way Skylanders for
1: Skylanders is also— NFC, or is it?
0: I don't know if it's technically NFC. I think it is. Um, the problem is that there are a bunch of different standards for things that touch other things and communicate f- at very short distances. Um, but NFC is a thing that if you buy pretty much any Android phone, you're going to have it along with, like,
1: Bluetooth. So it's a, a way for tech to communicate with other tech. Through- it's a,
0: yeah, very, very short level level. Way to like a to tap something. It's like a barcode, except it's physical.
1: Okay, so one of the ideas that I keep I kept bumping up against when I was doing uh, research for this episode was the idea of transhumanism. And uh, I know we're talking a lot about a lot of things that are these really big, high level concepts. But could you explain that? And I I guess the clip notes version. So I guess
0: transhumanism is sort of what allows you to call something biohacking and not just a prosthetic because it's more or less the idea of people becoming so different, modifying themselves to such an extent that they have a fundamentally different experience than someone who was just born and grew up and never modified would. That you've just so fundamentally changed what you can do um, or how you can modify yourself or how you see the world that you are no longer really having the same experience.
1: I had never really thought about the idea of biohacking versus prosthetics, but I guess a prosthetic then would be something that is trying to replicate an ability or a a body part that humans already have. And then biohacking and the idea of transhumanism would be essentially improving upon what yeah, we already
0: have. That's pretty much exactly how I think of it. It gets weird when you start thinking about things like birth control implants, which are not they're medical, but they are not replacing something. Yeah. They exist in this weird liminal space. Um but things like magnets, they're explicitly letting you do a thing that human bodies aren't supposed to be able to do.
1: Who or what is a grinder?
0: Uh, So originally, a grinder uh, was, again, someone who did a lot of DIY body modification, but it was in a comic called Dr. Sleepless. And that comic was by Warren Ellis, who is notoriously a font of completely insane ideas. And Dr. Sleepless was just that. It was all of the bizarre future social movements that could possibly exist, uh, all kind of rolled into one weird and fairly short-lived comic. And then people started taking that Moniker on and it grew. And it's probably the most accurate term for the thing that is like magnets and NFC.
1: So basically, if you put a magnet or an NFC chip in your person, you are a grinder.
0: I mean, you could probably accept or reject the label, but yeah, it's, it's not like biohacking can be a bunch of things, but grinder is like you are a person and someone who's not really a doctor put something in you and it does something weird.
1: So say somebody, uh, you meet a stranger on the street and they have no real interest in the philosophy of transhumanism or even in the idea of uh, inserting a piece of technology into their body. What? If if you were forced to give them an upside to sell them on this idea, what would be the uh, the examples that you gave them? I mean, I'm generally I'm great at parties,
0: terrible at everything else with parties, but great at this part uh, because I can just pick up magnets and uh, paper clips and let you read something off of my hand, and everybody thinks it's really cool, even if they think the underlying idea is weird, um, because it's something just immediately understandable. And then the other argument is that it starts getting a little more into the philosophy but that this is a way that someone could develop something that's really cool that you could actually own and just put into yourself. Like say there's a, a chip that lets you access Wi-Fi all the time and it doesn't belong to Google. If it's DIY, it doesn't belong to some giant company. It doesn't belong to the government. It belongs to you.
1: Yeah, I, I always think about this with uh, password protection. If there is something I could put in my body that just made passwords uh a non-thing for me where it only recognized me wherever i went and that was the only option for any passwords that is my dream piece of technology I, I it could be like a five foot by six foot like piece of steel and i'd be happy to graft it onto my back uh to get out of that headache you could
0: <laughs> um, implant like a yubi
1: yeah. That's uh, I. I need to do this. I. I. I am gradually being convinced to find a friend of a friend who will <laughs> inject me with something. Um. What. What are the possible downsides of biohacking?
0: Oh my god. Um. <laughs> so the possible downsides of biohacking are the possible downsides of opening your body up, putting something in it that might not be completely sterilized and might not be completely bioproofed that your hand could eventually get infected by or reject. Uh, This happened maybe not a lot, but it definitely happened more than once in the mid-aughts when people were just sort of perfecting what to dip these magnets in. Uh, The article that sort of convinced me to get one and introduced me was by the writer Quinn Norton, who had hers break apart in her hand. Uh, and get uh. infected,
1: and that can, you were like, "This sounds great. I am going to do this now."
0: Uh, give or take, it took you know five years for me to actually get around to it. But yeah, basically, my uh, my boyfriend at the time, after I got it, told me my finger was going to fall off.
1: <laughs> but it's still there. Yeah, thank God. I am so happy to hear that. I
0: think the article <laughs> said that everybody gets them in their right in their ring finger, which I did, uh, because that's the finger that's easiest to lose if you have to.
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, wh- let's go down this road. What are the the limitations of biohacking? I mean, I, I imagine there are, like, quite literal physical limitations. You only have so much body.
0: Yes, and you have so much body, and it's not really compatible with how big a computer or device that would do advanced technological things can be. Um, we just we can't make things that really communicate that f- long and we don't really understand how to power things because like you can't swap out a battery in this um, and you can't upgrade it and it has to be able to stay in there for a long time. And there are ways that you could theoretically do things like you could theoretically power something through motion or through your body heat. um, But we're still sort of waiting for the technology to just get smaller because there are only so many things you can do with your hand right now.
1: I mean, what are what are some of those, I guess, short term goals for biohacking what is the thing that you are uh, uh, you know an average person's like oh i can't wait for uh the, the a better screen on my iphone what are the things that you are most eager to see with biohacking
0: well everybody's really interested in biometrics because it's sort of the the ultimate fit pit um <laughs> that it's could collect a bunch of data about you and analyze it um i'm Personally, there was a project called the Southpaw a while ago that was a compass, and it would be implanted under your skin, and it would kind of vaguely nudge you when you were pointing due north. And I thought it was the best idea ever, and I've been waiting for people to develop it because I think it's brilliant.
1: That's really cool. That That also sounds like something that I would be up for with the painful crafting procedure. I think um, I'd we'll heard that,
0: that someone was actually is making one now, um, but it might be a ways
1: before I could get it. Did you ever read the book Hatchet in in elementary school?
0: Yes. I don't remember
1: much. So in Hatchet, like a little, a young boy, like is in a plane, a small plane, crashes. And then he like has to learn how to survive. And he realizes that if you're trying to fish with a spear, light refracts underwater. And you have it's a whole thing. But ever since then, I've always thought I'm going to be in this plane crash in the woods and I'm going to have to survive and... I need something like this that will help me find my way home because apparently that's all I need to know how to get home is do north as if there weren't other ways to do that. Um, This is totally illogical. I'm realizing as I say this out loud. (laughs) No, totally
0: illogical, but it would actually make your life so much easier. It would just make walking around Austin easier.
1: It would because the streets aren't like New York here where it's super, you're like, oh, well, the, the numbers are increasing. I'm going north or at least New York North. Here, I have no idea where I am half the time. And if I had a little, like, robot bug in my finger, being like, hey, you're going North now, I'd feel a lot more relaxed. Or I'd feel freaked out <laughs> because it's being rejected by my hand.
0: That's kind of the other thing is that you can never turn them off. So you have to pick an input or an output method that you can feel, but it's not going to get incredibly annoying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I could see how that could drive you mad. Um, what... What are some of the most notable examples of someone biohacking?
0: Um so besides the the magnets and chips which are the vast majority of I think what people get, um there is a thing called the Circadia which was put in a couple years ago, someone put what looked basically like a deck of playing cards in his arms um so that it would be it was a whole miniature computer and it was this proto biometric sensor. Uh, it's exactly the kind of thing that a lot of people are talking about. It was just very, very big and kind of terrifying to look at. And it was never supposed to be in longer than a month or so, which is when it got taken out. Um, there's also someone named Neil Harbison who gets brought up a lot. He has what's called the eyeborg, and it it's very, very visible. It is a little hoop that ends in a, a camera or a sensor that goes over his head. And then it attaches to the back of his neck and translates collar into sound that then gets translated through, like, bone conduction into his ear so he can hear collar.
1: Dear God. <laughs> Why? Uh, because he's collarblind, I believe, or has a specific kind of color blindness. Uh, okay. That sort of makes sense. Not as much as those glasses going around the internet that fix colorblindness, but it's definitely a start. I can see how that might be valuable. Um... Before we wrap up, there's one other big topic that I want to hit. And it's something that you uh, briefly touched on at the beginning. And that's neurohacking. Because, okay, I'm going to go three for three. And I promise to people who listen to this show that I'm never going to mention this again. The ending of AI. There is a scene where the aliens are humans and they are robots. And I've been reading about this idea of like, maybe instead of exploring space, we're going to start like exploring the inside of our minds, and that will lead to some transcendental moment. And that's the meaning of life. I don't know. I'm going really deep here. Neurohacking, from what I understand, sounds like it fits into this idea of learning how to control the mind. So there's some ultimately form of, I guess, immortality. Have I gone way too far down this road? I don't know because I don't
0: know exactly where most people would draw the limits of neurohacking. To me, it's also, it's sort of like, instead of implanting a magnet in your hand and then that sends signals to your brain, you skip that stuff and it just sends signals to your brain. So you can have completely different kinds of perception or completely different ways to think. Um, So it's also just erasing your limitations and not just knowing yourself. I'm not sure how you would be immortal with it. I guess you could just regenerate constantly.
1: I guess like if because that just sounds to me like uh MDMA or LSD like drugs sound to I me like think the neurohacking. people would probably say that yeah but while like technological neurohacking i guess my my like in game for that would be oh well if you have the a method for controlling the data of your mind that you could eventually download it or upload it which would which would lead to some form of Oh, I'm going to put myself in a giant AI hive mind and live forever. A brain backup.
0: Like maybe your whole consciousness could get like recreated piece by piece by nanobots. And then the nanobots could transmit it to something else. And then you could transmit it back into other nanobots and inject the nanobots into a new body. And then it kind of tweaks your mind and then you're a new person.
1: It's amazing how much this show has led me to believe that sci fi is just eventual reality in a way that it, I, I never believed before. Uh, in that I can, I can at least see the, the roadmap to nanobots <laughs> building a new body or at least, uh, in climbing inside of a body, inserting my mind in it. That's a great image for people who are, you know, having a nice morning right now. They're drinking coffee. Maybe they're driving to work. Um, and and they're picturing uh, an infestation of nanobots taking over one uh, human subject and inserting someone else's brain. It
0: wouldn't out even it. have to be one. You could like inject yourself into, as I think the writer Charles Stross theorized, a flock of pigeons or seagulls, and you could what? be a giant hive mind of birds.
1: Okay, follow me here. What if the end of the world is just one supervillain injecting? themselves into the rest of humankind
0: that was the plot of the doctor who christmas special in like 2014
1: dear god damn it it's always the bbc who feeds me to it um i have one final question um bioshock when will my life be bioshock
0: okay so The complicated thing with Bioshock is that apparently it works by rewriting your genetic code, which I think Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. But what you have to kind of do is you would have to have nanobots and the nanobots would have to be able to produce some kind of pheromones or like excrete something that would then turn into these weird supernatural effects. So like ice, you could have something that would produce a ton of something that's like desalinated sweat and then hypercool it and then somehow create some kind of kinetic power that would, like, fling it across the room. And I don't know how to do that. The bees are really easy, though, because the bees, all you have to do is take a big box and implant it in your arm and put actual bees in it.
1: (laughs) You just need, like, the world's biggest skin graft to cover up the box of bees in your arm. Yeah, and then then you need, like, a little feeder. Oh, God. Um... Thank you for this horror show. Thank you so much for being on this episode and really giving us some Cronenbergian uh, images that will just stay with us for nightmares to come. Thank you. Addie, where can people find you on the internet?
0: Uh, well, I am primarily on Twitter uh, with the handle, the dextriarchy, as in the patriarchy, except instead of patre, it's D-E-X.
1: That, is that a Margaret Atwood thing? No, it sounds like it could have been.
0: It could have been, but it actually is the system of hegemony by which right-handed people can oppress left-handed people by creating
1: a world (laughs) that's just not made for them. So, like, I can't open cans. That's why you have a magnet installed, because it gives you just that slight advantage. (laughs) And Thank you for listening, Uh, dear listener, sweet listener. This has been another episode of What's Tech? We have new episodes every Tuesday. You can find us on TheVerge.com or on Twitter at What's Tech. Uh, We're on all sorts of podcast services. The one I recommend, and this is just me, is iTunes. Not because it's a particularly enjoyable experience. I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't say it's my favorite at all times, but it is the one that gets our show to the most people. If you leave a review there, and this is me, sincerely, on my knees, asking you to do this, it helps us get to more listeners, which keeps the show free, so you don't have to pay for it, because who wants to pay for things these days? That's all I ask. Uh, In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful week peeling back the skin on your arm, installing a giant box of bees, and then grafting about six feet of additional skin on top of that. We'll see you later. Bye.